Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, I wanted us to take a look at uh, the Bible, the Word of God, the Biblios, uh, in the Greek meaning book. Uh, but it's more than just a book. It's God's Word deposited to us. Um, the Bible has God as its author, uh, which is unlike any book. And I do realize that there are many so-called holy books from other beliefs, but uh, the Bible stands as the authentic Word of God. And I know some may be uh, wondering, how can you say the Bible is the authentic Word of God? Because this Bible is centered around the Savior. Jesus Christ. He ties the Old and New Testament together. The Old Testament is a prelude to the New Testament. New Testament uh, is the uh, Old Testament applied or Old Testament revealed. Some say the Old Testament is uh, New Testament uh, concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. But regardless of how you say it, All of it is wrapped around Jesus Christ. So our Bible is more than just uh, a fancy book. I do realize that many of you have fancy Bibles that you've purchased online or purchased from a Christian bookstore. And uh, in some cases, the Bible is only read during church service. And during the week, it lays there collecting dust. But if you're listening to me, the Bible that you have contains the authentic word of God. It is there to help you. It is there to revive you. It is there to empower you. It is there to give you clarity. God's word should be applied. We learn. uh, We study but we must apply it. And the application is the key. It's not enough to say I have a Bible. Uh, And according to Barner Research, uh, nearly nine out of 10 Americans have a Bible. However, please note that just because someone owns a Bible doesn't necessarily mean they're reading the Bible. So the Bible It's a valuable reading commodity, which many often ignore. Now, some uh, hesitate about reading the Bible because they're not certain how to read the Bible. How should I approach reading the Bible? Uh, Many um, are confused. Where do I start? I hear this all the time. Where where do I start when I'm trying to uh, read the Bible? Uh, It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, So, 
uh, how do I read the Bible? There's a word that I want to use, and um, you may want to uh, write it down. Uh, It's the word hermeneutics. Hermeneutics. Uh, H-E-R-M-E-N-E-U-T-I-C-S. Hermeneutics. And it stands or means the science and art of biblical interpretation. The science and art of biblical interpretation. So, Basically, hermeneutics means the correct way of reading or studying the Bible. There is a method that we should use in trying to approach the Bible. So we we see terms like Old Testament, New Testament, chapters, verses, prophecies, doctrine, atonement, sacrifice, holiness, and a whole bunch of other biblical verbiages. And many who are new to the faith... Uh, they're not aware of these terms. They're not used to these terms. And uh, we that are Christians, I think sometimes we uh, so casually throw around some of these verbiages, but not everybody understand. And in some cases, uh, people are embarrassed to ask, what does holiness mean? What does sanctification mean? You know, what, does, what is the atonement? So when we're studying the Bible, we have to be careful that we are uh, defining these terms appropriately, but yet we can't ignore these terms. doesn't matter who it is. Uh, some people don't want to talk about hell anymore. Well, it doesn't matter if you agree with it or not. The doctrine is taught in the Scriptures. So the uh, Scriptures should not be treated like a smorgasbord. You, you shouldn't go to God's Word and say, Uh, I'm going to uh, take this because I agree with it, but I'm going to not take this because I I don't agree with it. We don't have that type of prerogative. So when it comes to the Bible, it behooves all of us to approach the Bible from a correct method. Uh, There's just so much that we have to consider when it comes to Uh, approaching God's Word in an acceptable uh, fashion. And as we said before, the Bible, the Greek word, biblios, is where we get our English Bible from, uh, the book. And it contains God's message of salvation for all mankind. And it's at times referred to as the Scriptures is divided into two testaments, the Old and New Testament. The Old Testament consisting of 39 books, and of course, the New Testament consisting of 27 books. So the complete total of all the books of the Bible is 66. Let's take a look at just a brief summation of the Old Testament. The Hebrew uh, Bible was usually divided into three categories. The writings were classified under the main heading of the law, the prophets and the writings. The Hebrew Old Testament also at times, uh, some call it the Masoretic text due to the transmission by the ancient scholars, the Masoretes 
or in some cases, it's called the Tanakh. The name Tanakh is derived from the use of the consonants from the three major divisions, which are the Torah, the Nivim, and the Ketuvim. And so the Torah, many of you are familiar with it, the Nevi'im, N-E-V-I-I-M, and the Ketuvim, K-E-T-H-U-V-I-M. And then the A, which is the vowel, is added, thus the name, the Tanakh. So the Hebrew Old Testament contains essentially all of the books we find in our modern Bible. It just arranged differently. So um, in the Hebrew Old, Old Testament or, uh, or the Hebrew Bible, we see uh, the Torah, as I said before, and under the Torah are listed Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The, prophet, uh, the prophets or the Nevi'im, we find the following books, uh, former prophets, Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and Kings. Um, and Samuel, of course, first and second Samuel and Kings, first and second Kings. So it's broken up into two sections, the, the, the prophet section, the Nevi'im section. Uh, we're talking about the Hebrew Bible. So uh, the former prophets under that section is Joshua, Judges, Samuel, first and second Samuel, Kings, first and second Kings. Then uh, the second section is the latter prophets. So it goes from the former prophets which shows Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and Kings, and it moves to the latter prophets. Um, and the latter prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, the Twelve, uh, which is Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Then the last uh, section is the writings, right? So the Hebrew Bible goes from the law, the prophets, and the writings. And this is where we find the poetical books and the five roles and the historical books. And the poetic, poetical books, of course, we're referring to Psalms, Proverbs, Job. Then it moves to the five roles, the megaloth, which, which is Ruth, Song of Songs, Ecclesiastes, Lamentations, then Esther. Then it shifts to the historical books, Daniel, Ezra, Nehemiah, which is one unit, then Chronicles. So during the time of Moses, the Old Testament was called the covenant, as we find in Exodus 24 and 8. It was later referred to as the new covenant by Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. So now let's take, at, uh, take a look at, rather, the transmission of the Bible. In transmission, we're talking about the, the, the copying and uh, how it was recorded and transferred. So the Old Testament was passed down to us prior to writing through oral means. So uh, the history uh, and everything else was passed down uh, by speaking and telling the stories and making sure the stories were told accurately uh, from generation to generation. So oral traditions was passed down uh, to keep the word of God. And 
They didn't deviate from it. So since the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew and Aramaic, you may be asking, how did we get our Bible in its present form? How did we get our Bible in its present form? It was first translated from Hebrew to Greek during the 3rd to 2nd century B.C. And this translation from Hebrew to Greek is called the Septuagint. And that was used a lot in the 1st century. A Septuagint. Uh, you may see it in some of your Bibles. Uh, that term Septuagint is the um, Greek translation of the Old Testament. The Septuagint. It is also at times referred to by the Latin letters LXX, which represent the number 70. And that 70 is believed by some scholars uh, to represent the 70 scholars, the Masorites, which we mentioned, mentioned before, uh, it represents their translation, meaning there were 70 scholars that participated in translating uh, the uh, Old Testament uh, into Greek, I mean, uh, so 70 scholars that, that copied, rather, the Old, Old Testament uh, words from Moses and, and uh, encapsulated it and, and organized it. 70 scholars participated, the Masorites participated in preserving and capturing uh, God's word uh, and preserving it for future generations. So um, the LXX or the Septuagint, uh, it's the same thing, just representing those scholars. It's due, uh, it is due to the grouping of the Septuagint that we derive the total of Old Testament books. So in, uh, in addition, the books were positioned by subject matter. So a process had been put in place a long time ago uh, in regards to preserving God's word for us. And we all know that uh, the English version of the Bible in terms of the Old Testament uh, have the same books just arranged differently, just arranged differently. Now, when we're trying to get all that we can from the Bible, uh, we must look at the genre or the forms, the genre. And by the term genre, we mean the literary type, literary type, understanding the genre of a particular book uh, will help the reader, in this case you, in better understanding the overall scope and message that the author is trying to convey. So in other words, understanding the genre will help you to understand the rules of the game, for lack of better uh, terminology. Is the text intended to be allegorical, or is the text that you're reading in the Bible, literal? Is it designed to be allegorical as an example, or is it designed to be literal? If you go to Daniel, where uh, there are passages, prophetic passages that are used in allegory, you can't go to that passage and translate it literally. Or if you read in the Bible and it talks about the hand of God or God's hands were against them, doesn't mean that God has literal physical hands. It's this, uh, a, a metaphor to describe what's actually going on. So we must be privy to the rules of the game when we approach the Bible. Consider the genre. Is it 
a poetical book? Is it an allegorical book? Is it a historical book? Is it uh, prose? Is it na- is a narrative? Uh, what type of genre is the book that you're reading? These must be considered when you're trying to read the Bible for all it's worth. So the types of genre, let's look at some of them. Apocalyptic, as I mentioned, Daniel, Revelations, um, are apocalyptic in nature. So you must know how to approach apocalyptic readings when you're reading it. You know there's going to be a lot of imagery. There's going to be a lot of metaphors. Uh, there may be some allegory. So when you are reading those types of books, you realize that everything can be taken literally. You have to use the imagery and then connect it to what the author is trying to convey. Epistolary, meaning letters. Uh, you find this in the New Testament. These are letters. We are privy to letters between, example, Paul uh, and, and Timothy. Uh, Paul in the Corinthian church, uh, Paul in the church of Ephesus. So is a two-party letter, meaning the writer and the recipient, but yet we are privy to seeing what's going on because we are third party reading what he's trying to convey in the message. And that's you, the, the rule of thumb when reading the scriptures is not what the scripture means to me. That's not the first question. The first question is, what was the intended meaning from the author to the recipients of the letter? That's the first question you ought to ask yourself when you're reading the Scriptures. What was the intended meaning from the author to the intended recipients of the letter? Then once you have established uh, uh, the answer to that question, then you can get to, okay, I understand this is what they're saying Uh, what the author is trying to convey to the recipients of the letter. Now, how does that message that I've derived from studying the Scriptures, I I get what the author is trying to say to the recipients. Now, how does that apply to me as a Christian? Is it a prescriptive text or is it a descriptive text? And by uh, prescriptive, we mean uh, instructions that we find in the Bible that all Christians are to follow? Or is it uh, descriptive, meaning that this is just describing an event for us to know about but not to duplicate, or it's not binding for us to follow? And a descriptive text could be uh, the example of Moses uh, parting the Red Sea. Once we see that Moses... God used Moses to part the Red Sea. The question is, uh, we know that God performed miracles, and God uh, performed a miracle uh, with Moses at the Red Sea. So does that mean that uh, if I have enough faith, if, I'm, if, if I believe I'm holy, that God, can do this, uh, God will do the same thing through me? God could, but it doesn't mean that he will. It's not a prescriptive text. A, pres- a prescriptive text is something like uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 where it says, pray without ceasing. Who's to pray without ceasing, uh, ceasing or stopping? Is that just the pastors? Is that just the elders? No. All Christians are to pray at all times. And how do we know this? Because we have other scriptures that can reinforce 1 Thessalonians 5.17, which basically 
buttress the point that all Christians are to pray at all times and don't stop praying. So, apocalyptic is a genre. Epistolary is a letter. That's a genre. Then we find books in the Bible that are historical in nature. Uh, They're historical in nature. So, you treat it as a historical uh, fact. You you, you approach it as history. Uh, The book of Acts, as an example, uh, is is designed or written uh, from Luke to Theophilus, uh, to convey historical facts about the origin of the New Testament church. That's, that's very important. When you read the book of Genesis, uh, there are parts of it that details history. Uh, the first portion of Matthew uh, unpacks uh, the historicity of Jesus Christ. So uh, the Bible is, is filled with historical facts, and some books were written specifically for history. The book of Numbers, as an example, uh, is, is, is conveying uh, history. Uh, then the next genre is poetic, poetic literature. Uh, we find that in the Song of Solomon. Uh, we, we, we find that in Psalms and, and Proverbs. There's a lot of poetry in there. We learn about the chiastic nature of Hebrew literature uh, in the Old Testament. Then, uh, even as we talk about the Song of Solomon, uh, we find uh, romanticism. We find romanticism uh, in the Song of Solomon. Then there are wisdom literature. That's another genre, wisdom literature. And we find that in the book of Proverbs. So these are the types of genres that we must uh, not forget about. These are the type of genres uh, that we must be aware of when we're approaching the different books of the Bible because the approach is different for each type of genre. So when we approach the Bible, we must approach the Bible in its sophisticated form, not just picking up the Bible and uh, reading the passage and then going about our way uh, because we read the passage. Uh, Yes, read the Bible, but you should also study the Bible, right? Study the Bible. Uh, And in studying the Bible, we get a lot more out of the Bible. Right, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who need not be embarrassed, but who's able to rightly divide the word of truth. So consider the literary forms of the Bible as you're doing your Bible study. So we already talked about hermeneutics, and as we uh, talk about the science and art of biblical interpretation, uh, when one is trying to read the Bible for all its worth, they must consider. The textual constructs, you should ask yourself, how is the book or passage put together? Answering this question will help you to get on the right track in terms of better understanding the Bible. So consider the following. The theme. When you're studying the Bible, consider the theme. And if you need a copy of Sign Reason and Ministries, uh, Bible themes, uh, the themes for each book of the Bible, uh, please email us at info at srministries.org, info at srministries.org. Then consider the theme. Consider the plot. What's going on? Why are Joseph's brothers uh, plotting against him? 
Uh, what's going on? Why, why, why is Saul so upset with David? These are questions that we must answer. There's a plot. Well, our time has run out. We will see you next week. Have a blessed day. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Are you concerned about tensions in the Middle East? Do you wonder where we're currently at in the biblical timeline? Are we really in the last days? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Carl Muller with the Inside the Epicenter podcast. Every week, my co-host, best-selling author Joel Rosenberg, and I answer those questions and more. You'll hear inside knowledge of our meetings with leaders at the highest levels of government in the U.S., Israel, and the Middle East, equipping you to filter the news with biblically sound insights. Find Inside the Epicenter on your favorite podcast app or go to joshuafun.com to listen and subscribe.